You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. We have an exciting morning in store. Uh, last week, we started our Irresistible Influence uh, series in week one, and Ryan uh, brought the message of, of saying something and just sharing the love of Jesus verbally with others in different ways that we can do that. And today is week two of this series, and we have with us a special guest today. He's the director of I-68 Mexico Missions. And so I just want to invite you to help me give a warm welcome to Scott Sorzentruber. All right, good morning. How are we? We're surviving the Arctic blast. I had to put a long sleeve shirt on today. It's brutal out there. <clears throat> No, this is why we live in. This is why you live in Arizona, right? Uh, my name is Scott, and I'm just really grateful to be here. My wife's with me, and um, we're, we're grateful for this church. Grateful for the opportunity to preach, and we're grateful for this growing partnership in the gospel with North Valley Community Church and I six eight. As Joshua said, I'm a director of I six eight. My wife and I lead the ministry, and we are a ministry that serves the physical, relational, and spiritual poverty of those in Mexico. And so some of you, I think, have come down last year. You built a house for a family. It's one of the things we do. You're invited again to come next March, and we're looking forward to that. Um, but we're just, we're, we're just grateful to be here, grateful for this church, and grateful for the opportunity to partner in the cause of Christ with you. Um, we are from Mexico, the old one, not the new one. And we have been there for 10 years. We used to live right down the street, 55th Avenue in Happy Valley. And um, to our surprise, God had called us to serve the poor in Mexico. And so 10 years ago right now, we decided that this was how God was leading us. And, and we responded and said, yes. If you would have asked us a year prior to that, we would have thought that was the craziest idea we'd ever heard and was nowhere on our radar, but it's amazing how God works. He, he made it clear to us in July, we said yes, and by December, the week between Christmas and New Year's, our things were in the car and we were, we were moving. And um, you'll hear me say many times, we're the winners in the deal. I was thinking a lot about the things we were giving up, and God's like, forget that junk, I have way more for you. And we are living proof of that. And so we invite you to come with us in March, and it's... Um, it's fun to come down, it's fun to be with others, and it's fun to do something, which is our topic today. Probably the most significant thing I want you to know about me is that in February, I am going to be a grandfather for the first time. So, right on. It, uh, it has surprised me a little bit that I'm so excited about it, but I find myself praying for that little guy every morning, and I know that God's going to make him 10 times the preacher that I am. So super excited. I told the last service that we have some mentors, and when you're a missionary like we are, we live on the generous support of others, and our mentors helped us years ago respond to the question, what do you need? We have a lot of people come down or meet us, hey, what do you need? Generous hearts, they want to they get involved, what do you need? And of course, we have a list of things we need, but these mentors of ours told us, don't give them the list. What you want to respond with is, get with God, spend some time in prayer, because God knows what you need more than what you know you need. And whatever God tells you to do or give, do that. Be faithful to that. And that way it's between you and God. And, and like that's a beautiful answer. And so we've really worked hard to be faithful to that. 
But I did confess to my wife just last week that I'm probably going to have to change my answer because if you ask me what I need, right now what I need is your airline miles because my grandson is in Kansas, or will be, and I want to go see him. So it's not very spiritual, it's not very Jesus-y, but it's, it's what's in my heart right now. <clears throat> so do something is what we're talking about today, and it's a follow-up to Pastor Ryan telling us last week to say something. So say a proclamation of the gospel, do a proclamation of the gospel. And as I've been preparing and praying, I knew about three weeks ago maybe that I'd be here today, this reoccurring idea, mindset, I guess you want to call it, this thought just kept reoccurring. Every time I would ask God, how do you want me to come about how we are to do something with our lives? And over and over and over again, I kept hearing, like, we don't need an inspirational TED Talk, if you know what a TED Talk is. We don't, we don't need a 15-minute inspirational speech to motivate us to go do something for Jesus. That's, that's not, as followers of Christ, that's really not what we need. That's not what our culture needs, and that's not what our crazy world needs. We don't need a little bit of motivation and a little bit of inspiration because it will only give us enough fuel to maybe get out of the parking lot until we hit road construction, and then we'll have forgotten, and all that energy will have lost, left the building. So what do we need? What we need is truth. We need a transformative truth. We need something to pierce our hearts and change what we love, change how we think, change how we operate, change who we are. And you and I know that there's only one source of that truth, and that's God's Word. And so the truth of this book is the perfect, holy, inspired Word of God has the power to actually change what we love change how we think and change how we live our lives, change how we do what we do. And so let's go to the Word of God. We're going to be in the book of Titus. If you're new to the Bible, I'm super excited that you're here. Titus, towards the end of the Bible, it's a really small book. It literally only takes up two pages of my Bible, however your Bible's laid out. Three chapters, 45 verses in total. While you're getting there in your Bible, let me tell you about Titus. Titus was a guy in the first century. He was one of the first Christians, and he was a church leader in the very first century churches. And so he was a protege of the Apostle Paul, who the Apostle Paul at one time was called Saul. Jesus met him in a very dramatic way, changed his life. He used to imprison and murder Christians because he hated the cause of Christ so much. He actually met Jesus and now gives his entire life to proclaiming Jesus all over the ancient Mediterranean world. And so he planted churches all throughout the Mediterranean area. And interesting side note, he funded his ministry by basically being a prisoner of the state of Rome. And because he was a prisoner, he, they, he had to go to all these different prisons and get to Rome. And everywhere he landed, he would plant a church. And so it's not a, a funding strategy for my organization that I'm real keen on, but uh, it was incredibly effective. And so they are in the island of Crete. There's a small island in the, in the middle of the Mediterranean, and there's many cities on this island. And Paul and Titus are there planting churches. And we don't know how many, but we know the Bible says there's several churches that are planted. And so Paul and Titus are there, get a bunch of churches planted, Paul takes off and leaves Titus in charge. He's in charge of the churches. And so he writes a letter 
to Titus. That's where the name of this book comes from. It's literally a letter from Paul to Titus, giving him instructions on how to lead the church and how to instruct the church on being the church. It's very likely, we don't know this for sure, but this letter is in a response to a letter that Titus probably wrote Paul saying, hey, I've got some issues. I've got this going on and that going on and this knucklehead over here and I'm not sure how to address it. Will you help me? I need some wisdom. I need some instruction. And so this is Paul's response. Whether it was a response or it was prompted by Paul um, doesn't change what it is. But this is Paul, the apostle, giving Titus, his protege, instructions. In this short letter, 45 verses, we find a minimum of six examples and instructions on do something. Paul uses the language good works, and what he means by good works is what we mean by do something. And so we're we're saved, right? We're Christians following Christ. So how are we to do our lives? How are we to live? And what are we to do with our time? And what are we to do with our, time, our talents and our treasures? And so we find these instructions right here. And so we're not going to read the whole letter, but we are going to pick out um, a verse from each chapter. And so chapter 1 is going to tell us that we can actually deny Christ by our doing. And we need to let this sink in because that's a very scary thought. Our doing, even regardless of what we say, can deny Christ. Chapter 2 is going to help us have zeal to proclaim Christ in our doing, to demonstrate Christ in our doing. And then tra- chapter 3 is going to give us hope on how to, if we find ourselves in chapter 1, how do we transition to chapter 2? We're going to find hope in chapter 3 to do that. Okay, So let's look at chapter 1. This is a very positive, it's a very upbeat letter. Um, it's a motivating letter. Um, it's a very truthful letter, obviously. <clears throat> But there's this little section, there's like these five or six verses where Paul kind of takes a sidebar and says, he directs his attention to these imposters. And there's this group of people on the island of Crete that are neighbors with some of the churches, and they're causing all kinds of havoc. They're very harmful, and they're very damaging to the believers in Crete. And Paul gives Titus instructions, and he says, go deal with these group, this group of people. This is a bad idea. Go handle this situation. Go shut them down and shut them up. Go rebuke them. Really strong language. Really aggressive language. Like, don't just let this slide. Go handle it because it's hurting the church, and we don't want to let anything hurt the church. And so what are these people doing that is causing Paul to give such aggressive language. We can, we can read it in detail later, but let's focus in on chapter 1, verse 16, and we get a summary of what's going on. They, these people causing all the trouble, they profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Let me read the first half of that again. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. And that's where we get this truth that we can be denying Christ by our doing, our living, our, our, our behavior. And that's a scary thought. That's a terrifying thought. We can say one thing, but our actions can be saying something different. So in our ministry as we lead it, one thing that's really helped us, we've come up with this phrase, and I don't think it's original to us, but it's helped us discern because you want to help people grow and walk with Christ. And 
what we do is we'll be sitting with someone who is saying all the right things, but wow, all their behavior is displaying something different. And so when we're counseling that person, we will, we will look them in the eye and say, your actions are so loud that I cannot hear what you're saying. I have a pastor friend back in Indiana, and he keeps promising to come to Mexico on a trip, and I've heard it so many times. I said, your actions are so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. You keep saying you want to come, but you're not coming. And so at some point, and this is what Paul is telling Titus about these people, that you're, you're saying one thing, but you're doing another, and they're contradicting each other, and this is a problem. Your, your actions and your words are not aligned. And so <clears throat> we see this not just in Titus, but we see this all throughout Scripture, especially in, if we went to James chapter 2, verse 14, James is a half-brother of Jesus. He just kind of punches us in the gut with this truth and says, faith without works is dead. You say you have faith, but you have no doing. You don't have any faith. Like that's, that's a very harsh truth. And so if you're not doing, if you're not demonstrating Christ, you don't have a doing problem, you have a faith problem. And so we get this, um, truth that needs to land on our hearts. D does my doing deny Christ? Or does my doing demonstrate Christ? So how, how could our doing deny Christ? What does that look like and how does that happen? And, and I'll give us two categories to work with. We see one that's very obvious in this Titus text, saying you're, you're arrogant, you're greedy, you're violent, you're a drunk, you're quick-tempered, you're just a jerk all the time. Like, and so just sinful unapologetic, lack of humility behavior, like just embracing sin, embracing the love of the world, like that obviously denies Christ and, and no one's going to accuse anybody who acts that way of loving Christ. But I believe the more dangerous teaching, the, the more dangerous denial of Christ is way more subtle than that. And Scripture talks about it all the time. Scripture, this, the, the more dangerous denial of Christ in our doing is to not do anything is to just mind my own business. Well, I'm just going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to read my Bible in private. I'm going to give a little money and not tell anybody. And maybe I'll go on a mission trip once in a while. But I'm just going to kind of keep to myself. Live and let live. The Bible does not know of that kind of faith. You know that over 1,300 times in Scripture, the Bible tells us to go. In many of those times, it's a command to actually go do something. There's, it doesn't give us this picture of just huddling up and minding our own business and just letting the world burn. A couple examples that come to mind, I think of Micah 6.8. It says, go do justice. And so go find where injustice is happening and go fix it. Go to where darkness is happening and be light. Press back the darkness with the light of Christ. I think of Isaiah 6.8. That's the namesake of our ministry. God has a message that needs to get communicated to the people. And he's like, who will go for me? And Isaiah responds, here I am, send me. I think of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18. Go make disciples. You can't make a disciple if you're not doing anything. You have to actually go and interact with people and be intentional with them. I think of Job 31, where we will be held accountable for what we did for the poor. And so we, we must demolish and squash this picture that my Christianity is just between me and for me and about me and I don't need to do anything with it. 
That's not a truth that's found in Scripture. So if you're, it's like saying, I, I, I'm 10 minutes late to church. Well, why were you late? Well, I got ran over by a semi. And that's it? You're just late for church? That's the only consequence of being run over by a semi? Like, that doesn't make sense, does it? What you're saying and what you're doing don't add up. Meeting Jesus is like getting hit by a semi. Like, it changes everything. So let me give you an example that happened in my own life recently and then an illustration to try and drive this point home. <clears throat> recently, we were with a group of people. We hadn't seen them in a long time. They invited us over for dinner, and I don't know, there's, there's 12 or 14 of us at the table, and we're just having a good time catching up on life and family, and they're asking questions about the ministry in Mexico and all the cultural differences, and it's a fun conversation. But I noticed one of the gentlemen is just not participating at all. And he's not unhappy to be there, but he's also not, like, engaged. And so I decide, hey, I want to find out where this guy's at. I want to engage him. And I know a little bit about him. I was like, um, said, hey, hey, how are things going? Good. I knew that he had retired recently. I'm like, hey, I heard you retired recently. Yep. I'm like, holy cow, man, you're not making this easy on me. I'm getting one-word answers. Like, I'm, I'm trying to have a conversation. This is, you got to help me out a little bit. It's like, yeah, I'm good. Retirement's good. I'm, I'm trying to think of questions. And like, how long have you been retired? Five years. Okay. Well, what have you been doing with your retirement? It's like, oh, you know. Well, no, I don't know. Like, I'm asking, what are you doing with your retirement? Finally, his wife speaks up and says, he has a lot of hobbies. And all of a sudden, he's, he's perked up because that felt a little bit offensive to him. To him. And <clears throat> he said, I, I do more than just my hobbies. And the table was silent. We're waiting to hear what else he does besides his hobbies. And the table remained silent. So basically, he just engages in his hobbies. This is a man that claims to be a Christian, goes to church on Sunday, but all of his doing is centered on himself. There is absolutely no doing in his life, and so he doesn't have a doing problem. It's like he needs to revisit the faith foundation. Like that doesn't add up, right? If you see someone who claims Christ, but is completely self-absorbed, you know what I thought as I was um, in this conversation is, man, I... I'm glad I'm not going to be the preacher preaching at your funeral because that's going to be very laborsome for the preacher to come up with stuff to say about you. And it's a convicting thought for me. What, what do we want the preacher to say about us at our funeral? Are we going to make them work and come up with some stuff? Or is our life going to demonstrate what we, that we love Christ? Because we're demonstrating love for something. This friend I was at, he was demonstrating by his doing that he loved himself. We need to shift that demonstration to love for Christ. One more illustration that I think might be helpful is, <clears throat> imagine you're the coach of your favorite team. It needs to be a team sport. Illustration works better if it's a team sport. So think of your favorite team. Imagine you're the coach. You've got a whole group of people and you've got to select your players. So you go and you pick out your, your 10 or 12 players or whatever it is. Sign them up. They agree to play. You got a contract. Everything's good to go. You give them a jersey. Hey, come for a team photo. We all got to be in the team pictures. And you practice the next day, and a guy doesn't show up. You're like, well, that's weird. And you call him. You're like, hey, where are you? It's yeah, I'm not into that practice thing. Well, that's not really an option. Tomorrow practice is at whatever time you need to be there. And he doesn't show up, and he doesn't show up. And it's game time, and he doesn't show up, and 
thinking, what, what in the world? He's like, yeah, that, that's just not for me. Like, I just want the jersey, and I just want people to know I'm on the team by being in the team photo. But that practice and that work and that sweat and the games, like, that's just, that's for the super athletes. That's not for me. You know, we hear that, what you're doing, I couldn't do. That's for the, the super Christians. There's no such thing as a super Christian. We're all Christians, and we're all displaying something. What would you tell that player on the team if you were his coach? Like, I just want the jersey, and I just want people to think I'm on the team, and I just want to be in the team photo, but I don't want to do anything the team does. It's a ridiculous notion, right? Is there a danger that we look at Christianity the same way? I just, I just want my Jesus ticket to heaven, but other than that, I'm really not interested. Like, that is a revelation of a faith problem. And so we get in chapter one, this denial of our doing, denying Christ by what we're doing or not doing. Let's move to chapter two, verse 14, and find out the opposite of that. I'm going to read it actually 11 through 14, because 11 really gives us the fuel for 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Here's 14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. I love that word zealous. Like, that's a beautiful word. It's not just, oh man, I gotta, I gotta go do something for Jesus or I've gotta go serve in the... Like, be zealous for good. Be excited. He wants us to be eager and anticipating and looking forward to and hungry to demonstrate Christ in our doing. This is the picture we get from Scripture. This isn't a begrudging reluctance, oh, I gotta go do something. This is a... Man, I am so excited for what Christ has done to me. I can't wait to display him in my doing. And so this is a mindset that we get from Scripture, not just an activity that we sign up for, not just an event that has a beginning and an end, but a way of life. It covers our doing at the grocery store. How do we treat the the, the person checking us out who's irritating us? Are we going to demonstrate love towards them? Are we going to do that? To signing up for a trip to realizing that, you know what, the job you have, you have, God has given you that job, not so that you can satisfy your own desires and pleasures. You have that job because those people around you need Jesus. So you, we have been given what we've been given in order to demonstrate Christ. And do we understand that? And so here's, here's the truth. So we're walking... We're walking along pre, pre-Jesus, right? And we're just passionately pursuing all of our own priorities. Jesus meets us, completely transforms us. Scripture all the time uses the word turn as a synonym for believing. So now I'm turned. I'm walking my own way, desiring worldly, sinful pleasures. Jesus meets me and he turns me. And now I'm passionately pursuing kingdom priorities. And everything that I was pursuing in the past has been crucified with Christ. 
Paul says that I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so the truth here is that followers of Christ are fully engaged in the mission of Christ. And that's reflected in our doing. And so if we find ourselves in this chapter one where, well, I'm not sure how much of my doing demonstrates Christ, but I'm seeing that as a Christ follower, I am called to demonstrate Christ in my doing. Let's look at chapter three and get some hope and some good news on how to make that transition. Chapter three, verse 14. And so this is, again, Paul talking to Titus about the people in the church. Let our people, let the people in the church learn to devote themselves to good works. And we find hope and learn, right? If we are learning, that means we haven't arrived yet, correct? So if we find ourselves in chapter one, denying Christ with our doing, we need to learn how to demonstrate Christ in our doing by transitioning our trust to Christ, looking to Christ. And so what, what prevents us from doing that? What, what um, holds us up from fully engaging and leveraging all of our doing for the glory of God and the good of others. And I think it's the same problem that Eve had in the garden. How did Satan win over Eve? He convinced Eve that God was holding out on her. He convinced Eve that God was not for her and for her good. He convinced Eve that God was trying to keep something from her, take something from her, prevent her from experiencing something. And we know that that's a lie, right? That is what brought sin into the world. That's what brought a curse into the world. And so here's a truth that we need to embrace. When we're invited to demonstrate the love of God in all of our doing, God is not trying to take something from us. God is not a killjoy. He is for our joy and he is good, right? He is not trying to take something from us. He is inviting us into something. And Bible tells us he is inviting us into joy complete. I love how it adds complete to it. Not just joy, but joy complete, like all of joy. Like the, the highest level, the most embraced version of joy there is, that's what Jesus has for us. He is here to give us life and give us freedom. And so when we embrace and, and surrender all of our doing to demonstrate Christ, we become free of all the anxiety and all the worries of the world. And we, with complete joy, are demonstrating Christ in all that we are and all that we do. So let me give a, a very personal example of, of experiencing. I say we're the winners in the deal. Here's one of about a million examples. Um, Fifteen years ago, I was sitting exactly, not exactly, I was sitting in a very similar spot to where you're sitting. I sit at a great church and uh, involved in church and got invited on a three-day mission trip to Mexico, much like you're being invited on a three-day trip, mission trip to Mexico in March. And I thought, boy, that, that sounds okay, but <clears throat> what's the dates? What does my calendar look like? What kind of burden is that going to put on my wife? What are the kids' activities that weekend? What's it going to cost me financially? It sounds like they want a few hundred dollars. Can I get away from work? You know, you just have, just like you, you're invited and you're considering whether you consciously realize it or not, Way in the pros and cons, right? And for whatever reason, by the grace of God, I said yes. It's like, we're going to figure this out. My wife encouraged me. I went on this trip. On this trip, 
There's a bunch of guys that you didn't know. And that's one of the fun things about going is you get to meet people that you didn't know before. And so I meet a guy by the name of Steve Sutton. Steve, raise your hand. He's here today. <laughs> if you don't know Steve, get to know him. You'll be better for it. So Steve and I became friends. And we started doing some things together, some business and some trips and serving together and whatnot. Well, fast forward, I moved to Mexico. Steve's up here. And a year ago, so we're in 2019, 2018, um, Steve had been attending North Valley Community Church and gets elected to be an elder of North Valley Community Church. So Steve is one of your elders, if you didn't know that. I-68 is governed by a board of elders, much like your church is governed by godly men to care for your souls. I-68 is governed by godly men to care for the souls of the people we serve. And so at the same time Steve is becoming an elder at North Valley Community Church, our board invited him to become an elder, not knowing anything about this, of I-68. So at the same time, God put Steve as elder at two different organizations. So what does that mean? That means that I-68 and North Valley Community Church are now connected. And I found out later that Pastor Ryan from day one had a dream. We're going to have a deep connection to the people in Mexico, and we're going to have a significant footprint, ministry footprint in Mexico. And so 15 years ago, I say yes to a three-day trip. 14 years later, God uses all these people that said yes, and he starts orchestrating things. And it's so beautiful to look back on this picture and how God is for us. And so North Valley gets connected to I-68, come on a trip. Missionary Scott gets connected to Pastor Ryan. There's a friendship made, and there's an invitation for me to stand here right this day. So you can quite literally trace back me standing in this spot doing what I love more than anything in the entire world, opening up the Bible, proclaiming God's word to saying yes 15 years ago. And here's what's really amazing, and I want you to hear this. 15 years ago, I did not love to open God's word and preach God's word. 15 years ago, I would have gone to great lengths to avoid this spot. I was not a public speaker. I was not, um, I, I loved the Bible, but I didn't know how to teach the Bible. So God was doing all these things unbeknownst to us and they just come to these little moments of fruition and he gives us this glimpse. And so now I am literally doing what I love, which I didn't know I loved because of saying yes 15 years ago. And so you're invited to say yes about doing something. Yes to the Mexico mission trip. And I wanna encourage you to say yes to that. Not because there's a family in Mexico that needs a house, but because for your own good, to experience Jesus in a deeper way, to make some community and some friends to spur each other on. And so say yes to Mexico, but say yes to demonstrating Christ in everything you are and everything you do. And so just dream with me for a quick second, what would it look like if everyone that claimed Christ demonstrated Christ in their doing? How different would our neighborhoods and workplaces and schools and communities, how different would it be? Pray with me. Jesus, I want to thank you. Thank you, thank you for this opportunity. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for North Valley Community Church. I want to thank you for I-68. I want to thank you for all that you're doing. God, help us to, help us to own this truth that you are good and you are for our good and you have good things for us. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Are we there? Here we go. Hey, can we just give Scott a big North Valley thank you for being with us today?
We appreciate you, Scott and Shannon, for making the trip up here um, to join us with North Valley. Um, and we actually want to give you a tangible invite to get to know them and more about I-68. So they'll be around today, but they're also going to be joining us at our worship night um, this Wednesday. We're just all going to gather right here in this room um, and worship and then also learn more about I-68 and that partnership with North Valley. So I invite you guys to come back here on Wednesday. Mark that off on your calendar. Um, but also, if you did not notice, on the back of your connection card, so if you can tear that off at the back, um, you'll see the invite for you guys to commit to go and do something. So last week, we talked about saying something. Now we're giving you something tangible to do with that. So the first one is the global, and so that would connect you with Sephora. Sephora's in the back right there. Um, she's going to be our lead for the Mexico missions trip in March. Um, so that will get you connected with her. And then locally, we are super excited. Steve Sutton's gonna get another shout out. He oversees our CARES team ministry. And in 2020, we are gonna be partnering with a Title I school right here in our neighborhood to do something for them and to bless all of their families. So we're partnering with Living Dreams and Legacy and that organization to go into this Title I school and to just serve and bless these families tangibly with what they need right here in our neighborhood. Um, and then, so if you check that box for locally, we'll put, plug you into the CARES team and send more information about that date coming up in 2020. And then one last thing in the back, you might notice some cardboard boxes. So we're launching our out of the box initiative. And that, all you do is take that box home with you. There's a shopping list on there. You're gonna fill it up with food and then bring it back. And right around Christmas time, we're gonna be giving that to all the schools within the Deer Valley School District to support and bless the families around us right here locally. So we just want to extend that invite to you guys to commit to doing something walking out of this place. You guys can drop those off in the baskets as we collect offering. Um, if you guys would just pray with me right now. Father, we, um, we just thank you for being here on this Sunday, Lord, and just setting aside this time to hear from your word, God. Um, I just pray that you open up our eyes and our hearts to see those opportunities where we can say and do something, Lord, that we just move forward with encouragement and power of your Holy Spirit to take those next steps for you, to expand this kingdom, to share and show the love of Jesus. Um, it's in your name we pray. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.